Oysters. Vegan or not? Not. They're, it's eating something living. So is eating a vegetable. Oysters are bivalves? I'm sure vegans don't eat oysters. But there's a... Actually, though, there is a, like, big discussion, I believe, in the vegan world is, are oysters vegan or not? Because the thing is, is like, they don't have consciousness. What did you say? Bivalves? What is that? That's what an oyster is. It's a bivalve. It's, um... Let's look it up. All right. We're going to learn something new today. Uh, Despite our best efforts. (laughs) A bivalve is an aquatic mollusk that has a compressed body enclosed within a hinged shell. Oysters, clams, mussels, and scallops are all bivalves. But the question is, like, do they have, like, a consciousness, right? They're less sentient than most animals of their size, but they still sense their environments, show altered morphine levels in response to trauma, and adjust to changing environmental conditions. All right, if they can experience trauma, I'm going to go ahead and say a vegan doesn't eat a fucking oyster. Which, by the way, you know what just came out today? Huh. That they grew human organs in a genetically modified pig, and they put it in a brain-dead patient with the with the approval of the family, and it worked. Oh, my God. No way. Which is really... It was a kidney, I think. That's crazy. So, And then PETA came out and was like, pigs are not a human organ farm. Makes sense. But this could really change the game. All right. Wait, I'm a little confused. It was the pig's organ or it was a person's organ that they put in a pig to hang out and then put it back in another person. I'm super I'm confused. unclear. It was a genetically modified pig. And I think they grew an organ in that pig. Okay. And attached it to a brain dead person for a trial. Right. To see if like the body would reject it and the body has not rejected it. Okay. Wow, we're doing weird stuff, huh? If I'm if I'm brain Science dead, is if weird. I'm brain dead, feel free Put to pick stuff in you. Well, test me out. Just if it can see. help, some test. Like I, what, do you know what you want to do when you die? Your body. I'm gonna go ahead and say I don't care. Right. If they can find a good thing to do, do it up. Have we talked about this on the podcast before? I mean, if you want to make a cool Halloween decoration, that's Fun. on the table. I feel like it would smell. It would. I mean, I just don't know where we'll be at then. Because I'm not right. planning to die for at least another hmm, 50, 50, 60 years. Love. Yeah, I think uh, I, I always said I wanted to donate my body to science. Totally. I'm Feels right. That. And then I listened to a podcast about how I think we have talked about this, but I, I listened to a podcast where they put bodies donated in like conditions for decomposition to sort of Mm. test it which allows for sort of scientists now to say okay the time of death of this body was x y and z when they're able to like see the preservation of body in public like there's so many ways that science can benefit from using your cadavers Mm -hmm. and like also like surgeons practicing surgery on your body Mm-hmm. You're welcome, future surgeons. Come on, get it. They're probably like, wow, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be, yeah, you have to be, I guess, I wonder if that's a part of the training for a doctor where you, you like do a lot of like surgery and trials on corpses, mm-hmm. right? For your education. I wonder if that does something to a medical profession about death. And what it means and like sort of breaks down your walls of empathy in a way and sees it as like a body as opposed to a person. Yeah, I don't know. Doctors weigh in. Any doctors listening to this? (laughs) If you're not horribly offended at how little we know of the human body, please let us know. Chime in. If, if, you know, if that offends you, um, I promise we know less about geography (laughs) and even less about the English language and pronunciations. So facts. We have some new Patreon subscribers. <gasps> One of them is Becca, who we love. Um, Becca. Who we know from IRL. 
You do um, love Becca IRL. And, and Becca, are you such a good person? Becca. Oh my God. What are you? What are you? An angel sent and straight from yes, heaven look above. At her. She's a beautiful angel. She does look like an angel. She does look that like a beautiful tr- blonde she's cherub curls uh, falling from the sky. It's so sweet. The thing that uh, troubled me is that Becca actually requested specifically a wrap. And I was like, a wrap? Oh, that Becca. seems problematic. Um, but you know what it reminded me of? What? It reminded me of. Um, did you, when you were younger, leave your message machine? Like, was it your ki- kid voice on your parents? Like, what what happened if you called the Ipamas? Um, my mom or dad being like, you've reached it. Like, there oh. was very, we were, this was serious Because it was my voice, and Quinn. it went like this. This is 355-7465. We're not home because we went for a drive. If you want to hear more than just a rap. Then leave a message and we'll call you back. Oh, yeah. Quinn, Lynn Danielle, Posner. What the fuck? That's so creative. Thank you. Wow. I was not given that opportunity. Mom, you've stolen arts from me. Time, time again. I just, um, I wondered because I was thinking if that's also that how I knew my own number when I was little because I had that memorized because of leaving the message. And we've been trying to teach Koa our phone numbers. And I'm like, we're going to have to think of like a cool song. Is he at that age where he's memorizing phone numbers? We want him to know one of our phone numbers. That's we think smart. it's a good idea. Even Something though I, I hate know. teaching kids stuff I like that, because you can't help but be like weirdly in a fatalistic, this? scary head space while you're doing it. Because I'm like, why does he need to know that? Just like the other day, I was reading him to him card? a book last night that was telling him what to do if he caught on fire. It was like stop, drop, and roll. And I was like, I don't want to talk about this with you. You know what my suggestion is? Hot take. In his backpack, you should put a little card that has your information on it. For ransom inquiries. <laughs> <laughs> Should I write that? If found, please send ransom inquiries <laughs> to this. That is really funny. Yes, you should write that. But I would put like a little, like in his backpack, probably. But he doesn't have a backpack, does he? No. I love, I picked him up from a school last week. He is a tote. He has a huge fucking tote. <laughs> you can't fit that weird nap thing in a backpack. <laughs> Unless it's like a backpacker's out, he backpack. He came out and it was like, I know, it's I the same like, exact it's size like, as him. <laughs> So oh, it's really good. Big. Does he have to bring that to and from school every day? Yes, but why? They send home his nap blanket to be laundered every night. So what and I do, do, you do? Well, I take it out and I fold it differently. <laughs> so that they think I'm cleaning it. So I don't want to be judged. Should we, you know what, let's pivot to happier things. Do you want to do a couple okay. songs? Yeah, let's do it. By the way, you're listening to Truly. Darkly. Creepy. That's Carrie Ipema. That's Quinlan Posner. Don't point your finger Don't at me. Don't tell me what to do. It almost looks like a weapon. How dare you? <laughs> it was not a real weapon because it's an improv. Uh, improv weapon is this. You can't see because it's not a visual medium. Oh. But you don't do this. You do that. When I you're didn't know doing, that. Did you not know this? Tell me the story. In improv, it's a whole thing where you don't do, you don't do this because you don't, that's a toy gun. Oh. You don't actually shoot, like, when you have the thumb up and the finger out, like, making a finger gun. Uh-huh. That's a toy gun. That's not a real gun. That's your finger as a gun. An improv gun is... <laughs> oh. It's like a bent finger. You, like, are it's holding like a the... You're, you're, you're holding the gun. You're the... holding the pretend oh, gun. Oh, I see. You're holding the gun. So, like, if you know... You know someone's done an improv when they're, like... That's... You don't sweep with your hand. You hold a broom. A broom. And okay. that, my friends, is what I paid $1,600 plus <laughs> Knowledge is power. for an improv class. And that costs a lot of money, And that, that costs a lot of money, and I'm giving that to you for free. Speaking of which, we have some Patreon subscribers we want to introduce and sing about. Becca. Becca. Don't go chasing Becca Falls. <laughs> Please stick to the Beccas that you're already used to. The kinds the that give to Patreon <laughs> and love to support their friends. I think you're moving just right. For the record, that's not rap you're either. You're moving just right. Hey, we're doing it, Becca. <laughs> Yesterday, we're doing money stones. <laughs> She's a Patreon and she's a subscriber. Believe in Carrie and Quinn. The rest is up to you financially. (laughs) That's it.
Okay. <laughs> the problem is we just did Becca, but now we need to do something totally different for Becky. Becky! Becky with the good hair. Is that you? <gasps> Becky with the good hair. <laughs> we love to see it. Becky, I love so many Beckys in my life. My cousin's a Becky. I love her. Becky, Becky, what the hecky? <laughs> Becky, 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 Becky. Bend it like Becky. Bend it into the Patreon goal. You just scored a new friendship with me. Quinn, that clap was so <laughs> It's like mariachi. It was sharp. If you saw that, I think you'd be alarmed. Like, I now know where Koa gets it. (laughs) Actually, like, I see the proof is in the pudding. What's the third one? Lindsay. (gasps) Lindsay, oh, Lindsay. Thank you for joining. Lindsay, oh, Lindsay. <laughs> Lindsay, do you spell it with the wire and I? Lindsay goes ahead and uses that Y. Why yes, we Lindsay don't know? Y. We can't we pretend love it so to know. Much but we love you. Mm-hmm. We love you, you so, so much. So sorry, Lindsay. Moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to cut this shit out. All right, I'm gonna do a show. You mean do a story? (laughs) Do a show for me. (laughs) Perform, perform a one woman show. Do it. Starring yourself. I will. I was born. (laughs) And now a word from our sponsors. Carrie Quinlan. Now that the travel restrictions are starting to be lifted. I can't help but fantasize constantly about what my next trip is going to be. Here's the thing I need you to know. Affordable world is this company that thinks that the best tours combine comprehensive itineraries with tons of like sightseeing, top hotels, just like really good value is the main thing. Oh, you just said the word. You said value. That's their blend. That's the smoothie they're blending up, serving to me, and I am sucking it through this straw (laughs) because they have this new promotion that I love the name of. Ready for this? Ready. You deserve this. Give yourself the gift of travel. Affordable World, their packages start at $13.99, and that's airfare, that's hotels. What? Then you're going to use the promotional code, you deserve this. That's $250 off. Come on, you're giving it away. Well, you have to hurry, though, because also this is a sale. Did I mention that? It ends November 30th. Do you hear the police are coming (laughs) to make sure you get this deal? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, go to affordableworld.com, use the promotional code, you deserve this, and you'll remember that well because frankly, you do, and get $250 off per person of an all Affordable World land and air tour package. They leave on or after April 1st, 2022. Go to affordableworld.com today and enjoy your travels. My fellow citizens, our earth is in the middle of a crisis, plunging deeper into chaos. No, I feel your pain and your loss. We can't stand idly by and let this happen. We must rise up and... (coughs) (coughs) Sorry. Damn it. Well, this is awkward. Hi, my name is Josh Shell, and I am the host of the Let's Start a Cult podcast. Where each episode, myself and some guests take a look at different cults from around the world. For educational purposes only, and definitely not to start our own cult. Join me every other week as we break down dangerous religious cults, political extremist groups, and every other kind of cult in between. Should I apologize for the terrible southern accent? No? Okay. Subscribe and listen to Let's Start a Cult anywhere you listen to podcasts. What's up, everybody? It's Mick Manhattan, creator of TheScenesnobs.com and one of the hosts of the Scene Snobs podcast. We are a show that specializes in the absurd. We talk about the craziest of topics that revolve around the things that we love, like movies, television, pop culture, geek-oriented. It's so much fun. Whenever you join us, our first goal is to entertain. So always stop by, join in the conversation in the comments as we do our live show, or listen to us anytime after. But you are always going to have a great time. The Mad Man, my co-host, joins in. Perfect voiceovers. Everything else in between. We have guests, celebrity interviews, the whole nine yards. You will always have a good time at the Scene Snobs, so head over to thescenesnobs.com and start listening now. Take care. 
<laughs> okay, so um, I'm doing the story of Catherine Nevin. This was also given to us by somebody who was in the list of things you gave me. And I didn't say who? No. No. And that's on you. You're right. I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take the fault, but whoever, I th- I'm going to assume it's one of our Ireland um, family members. I bet it is. Because mm-hmm, it takes place in Ireland. Okay. So Catherine Nevin, um, I'm doing this, got this, in, I got this information from Wikipedia, Murderpedia, the Irish Times, Irish Examiner, the Journal, Independent, and the Sun. So this chick, Catherine, she meets this guy, Tom, in Dublin, and then they like get together and then they get married in Rome in 1976 and when I found that information out I just thought that's kind of my dream to get married in Rome to meet someone in Ireland and then get married in Rome like kind of like beautiful right I mean both beautiful places what's not to like I mean I probably wouldn't get married in Rome if I'm being honest I'd probably get married like Tuscany or something like maybe not as like want more like a city countryside like i want like if i'm getting married in if i'm getting married in a city i live in new york i'm from chicago what like we got, got cities what if you got married at the coliseum and you did a theme where you fought each other fun or like we can find like you know in the coliseum there's like all those gateways from where like the animals would do that we'd have to find each other mm. and then fight each other but get married find each other fight each other Love fall for that. each other love that we i went to the coliseo with my best friend nick we went to uh, italy together um at the time of this recording he is getting married at the time that this will air he is a married man so happy for him anyway he and i went to the coliseo and we met this girl laura who was like an au pair who was there on trip literally the rest of the time we were in rome laura would just pop up literally we'd be like walking she'd be like so scary that's not an important story. Let's move on. Okay, so, <laughs> however, though, Catherine, Tom, mm-hmm. they met in Dublin. They get married in Rome. Sounds Amazing. like a dream. Ten years later, after buying a couple places, they, um, a couple, like, homes. So they have, like, a mini, sort of, like, that's their bag. They have, like, properties and shit. They open this place called Jack White's Inn. Not from the White Stripes, but Jack White's Inn. Huh. And it's basically like a pub. And they have, so they have a couple houses, they have a pub together, and I guess it was Tom's dream always to own a pub. That's, like, something he really wanted to do. Um, and he was, like, a really nice guy. People loved him. Like, the his young staff called him daddy, which feels weird, but I'm just going to call it, chalk it up to, like, cultural differences. But, like, he would give people rides home. Like, it was a pretty common practice when people would go out at night that Catherine and Tom were like, you could just crash at our pub. Like, they were... Seeming nice. like, like Tom was just a really nice guy. So it's March 19th, 1996. Tom is at Jack White's Inn. And it's St. Patrick's Day weekend, which I don't know if you know. It's a pretty big deal in Ireland and Chicago. But that's unimportant. They're in Ireland right now. So he's counting his earnings. And they make a fucking a ton of money from that day. So he's counting his earnings. And all of a sudden, some guy comes in, shoots him in the heart oh. with a shotgun five minutes he's dead Catherine is upstairs in her bed sleeping and she wakes up and someone is behind her pressing her head into the pillow and he has a knife on the other hand and a knife in the other hand and he's yelling fucking jewelry fucking kill ya she freaks out she's tied up she says she is able to get free whoa and she runs downstairs, she trips an alarm, and security is called, and they come, the police come to the pub, and they see the scene of Tom's lifeless body. They see the scene of Tom's lifeless body, slumped where he was counting. He still had a pen in his hand, and he had glasses on his face. Like, it clearly caught him by surprise. And Catherine is in the corner, crying and shaking, not believing that her husband is dead. More than 16,000 Irish pounds are taken, was taken from the pub. Their car was stolen. She heard the cars drive away, which is why she ran downstairs. The car was later found some ways away. But when the police started investigating the scene, what am I going to say? Something wasn't right. Yeah, something wasn't right, but I'm so interested. What wasn't right? So the bedroom where Catherine was attacked was messy there were drawers all over the jewelry was like strewn about scattered everywhere but when they accounted for all the jewelry none of it was missing 
so the guy was like, "Tell me where your jewelry is, because I really want to throw it about." Because he room. just like loves a like he was He's like, I like a Mardi Gras vibe, mm-hmm. and I want to throw some necklaces 100%, and then leave. Hundred percent, hundred percent. They're not finding like the ties that she said she was tied up in. They, um, the drawers that were on the floor, they weren't the drawers that you just like pull out and it drops. They were drawers that were taken out, lifted with two hands and placed on the floor. Oh. Okay. A little sloppy. A little sloppy. And there were no other fingerprints on the jewelry box. It was only Catherine's. Meh. Not Catherine, great. we looking at you, babe. No forced entry. Mm-hmm. No phones were ripped out. Two were off the hook near the bedroom in the bathroom. Apparently, there was a spare bedroom that wasn't checked. Like, Catherine didn't go in there and look for her her husband or something. And Mm -hmm. they also mentioned that in the dining room, the curtains were still closed, which I don't know the importance of that. So I'm including it because someone else said it, and maybe you can figure out why that's a big deal. I don't see it. The day of the murder, Catherine had told the staff, she was like, listen, if you go out tonight, you can't spend the night at the pub. Mm-hmm. Don't come back here. But they always had like an open invite, but yeah. not that night. Yeah, that night she was like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do, don't come here. So obviously it was a botched. They think it was a botched robbery killing that was actually a murder for hire by Catherine. Mm-hmm. Is what they're saying. However, they have no forensic evidence and no eyewitnesses. Nothing. Mm-hmm. They have all this sort of like circumstantial evidence, but like this isn't enough to pin it. So eventually they have to, like, sit and wait and interview all these people and investigate, investigate, investigate. And finally, a year after the murder, a year and Whoa, a month, a year. she is arrested for murder and solicitation for murder. So what they found about her was, like, similar to last week's story where, like, he was just, like, telling everyone that he murdered this guy. Mm-hmm. She kind of, like, asked everyone if they would kill her husband. And, like, not in a discreet way. She kept being like, hey, we've met. We slept together a while ago. Can you kill him? And they're like, no, 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 no. That's, please stop bothering me. I don't, I don't want to kill anyone. This isn't my bag. This isn't what I do. So it had been reported as early as, like, 89. And he was killed in 1996. But it's, like, seven years prior, she talked about how she wanted to, she wanted all of the money in the pub for herself. She wanted to sort of get his half out of it and sort of take it for herself so much so that like i guess he told his step aunt um a while ago that he was like yeah Catherine like basically was like you need to pay me you need to sell me your half of the pub or i'm gonna have you blown away she would have inherited a million pounds and full control of all of the buildings and pub that they owned mm-hmm. Um, if he died, people said that she was like really obsessed with success and she was a social climber and a narcissist. And like, if anyone with status would come into the pub, she would like shower them with free shit and like put booze in their coffee and like go above and beyond to make them happy. And she would, this was to me the worst, the most egregious is she would publicly yell at her staff. Ooh. Where, like, Tom okay. was really nice and, like, they Got called it. him daddy and, like, he drove them home. Like, Catherine would... Yell at them to feel good about herself. Yeah. Brody. Like, really Brody a power trippy. Yeah. Which, to me, is the most damning evidence of this entire case. Frankly. Yeah, I mean, I'm no gynecologist, but she sounds like a real cunt. <laughs> That's horrible. Oh, God. So, as soon as they arrest her, the press dubs her... Black Widow. That's their vibe. They're like, she is... not very original. It's not original. And don't you have to be, like, a couple... Isn't a Black Widow someone that kills a few? This is the only one that she's been... That she's been accused of. So it does feel like a Black Widow... Like, the premise of the Black Widow is a spider that sleeps with a man to get pregnant and then kills him right away and does this repeatedly. Like, this is her bag. This mm-hmm. is a one-and-done kind of situation. In fact, like I said, she met him in 76, and this happened 20 years into their marriage, mm-hmm. which is also ugh, really scary. But she also had, like, a bunch of affairs, and I'll get into that later. Like, it wasn't a happy marriage. She wasn't a good person, it seems like. So the press was obsessed with this woman in Ireland, and 
so much so like so the first trial starts and turns out the jury you can hear them deliberating so they have to like redo the trial which is really funny to me that like this is the first time that came up and i think it's because it was a highly publicized trial but they were like we can hear we you can guys. hear you guys we can hear you <laughs> that's so funny. which is really funny which makes me feel like Ireland, like, isn't used to this, which is why they called this woman who killed one husband a black widow, because, like, we just need something. Right. You know? Um, And so they do the second trial, and this one sticks. And during the trial, her defense is she's like, you know, Tom was a member of the IRA, and he was gay, and he was a drunk. And the family was like, none of that's fucking true. And the police are like, we have files on all members of the IRA, and he doesn't have one. Like, He's not a fucking member of the IRA. In fact, like I said, like... But also, who cares? The UK has designated them a terrorist organization because they're fighting through extraordinary means to achieve independence in their own republic. So at the time, to be a member, an outward member of the IRA, I don't think was, like, looked kindly upon, Mm -hmm. especially in an establishment like a judge or a jury. Like, I think there was a little bit like, oh, you're prone to violence. Mm. So during the trial, she was like, he's a member of the IRA. And the family was like, there's actually no evidence that he's a part of the IRA. He doesn't have a Roth account or anything. The IRA. I get it. Anyway, so in (laughs) fact, like, all of the evidence was that he was a fucking good dude. Like, people really liked him. Like, he he would even give... His most questionable action was marrying... This woman and maybe having people call him daddy. Um, (laughs) Also, in fact, the night of his murder, this one spoke to me. The night of his murder, he had just returned from giving one of his customers a lift home. His dream was to own a pub. Like, that was it. And this woman was apparently had greed in her eyes. Now, the trial against her was she was someone who kept having an affair. So she had affairs with like a judge and a police officer. She denies it and the judge denied it too. The most important part of the trial were these three men that testified against her. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1986, so this is 10 years before the murder, this guy, William, he said they were in a relationship. They were fucking, they were having an affair. Four years after that, in 1990, she calls him and she's like, listen, I need a job done wink wink and she's like i'll give you twenty thousand pounds and then she was like listen i'll get the everything i'll get the properties i'll get the um insurance payout and we could be together this is four years after their affair keep in mind and he literally turned lose my number he goes no fucking way what i love is that she thought it was a bargaining chip and she's like and when this is done we could be together and he's like i didn't want to be together with you also Telling someone that you want to kill the person you're with. Probably a red like, flag. And my next relationship will be with you. you. Not a good selling point. Hard pass. Hard pass. This other guy, Jerry, he's a former IRA. He's a former IRA guy. He tells the jury that she repeatedly called him and asked how to kill Tim. And she'd be like, she like came to him like 10 times. And one time she was like, listen, you could shoot him on the one of his weekly visits to the flat he owns. And it would be a great moment because he'll have like his pub earnings on him. So you can like it's a robbery. Like, here's how you could kill him. And then also she was like, you can maybe execute him at a park. This Jerry in court says every time I knocked it back an idea, she'd come up with another one. And he was like, I can't do that because if I shoot him, it might kill you. And she's like, but it would look great. Tom dying in my arms. Like, she says this, and he keeps, like, she keeps asking him, and he's like, no, no, until finally she gets a clue and stops. I like this idea because it feels like, to me, when somebody keeps asking you on a date and you keep being like, I'm busy, I'm busy, I can't, I'm busy. It feels like that. Yeah. Where he's like, I she don't can't like, take the hint. She can't take the hint, but she keeps offering, like, she keeps pitching murders. Uh-huh. And he's like, no, I don't think that's going to work. No, <laughs> not that one either. Mm-mm, I don't think that's a good one. And then finally, oh my she's God, like, I would, he's like being like, oh my God, I would love hint. to. I would love to. <sighs> I'm so busy. But will that even really work with the scheduling of? And yeah. she's like, this? And he's like, oh, it sounds so fun. Like, but truly, like, oh, what a dream. Can't, hands are tied. It's just really weird, though, that he felt like he had to kind of pretend to be game and didn't just shut it down. 
at the same time, though, if someone's talking to you about murder, you kind of okay, have to right. be, like, be chill careful. about it. Because, like, here's Tread the thing. Lightly. She could be, like, he knows too much and kill him. Right, right, right. But it's, like, she was literally asking everyone and their dad if they would kill her husband. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, she wasn't chill about it. She wasn't, like, discreet about a murder for hire. She might as well have taken a Craigslist ad and been, like, hi. It's me, Catherine. I'm, like, looking for a murderer for my husband. <laughs> totally. I can pay you 20,000 pounds, OBO, or better offer, as is. <laughs> right? Like, very pickup only. 20,000 pounds, OBO. <laughs> the next guy she talks to who testifies is John. He's a TV salesman. He's a TV salesman. She's like, hey, listen, I know you have connections to the IRA. Can you ask them to shoot her husband? So, like, she's, like, using... The IRA is, like, her own personal murder-for-hire thing. And he's like, that's going to be a hard pass for me. So this was between 1989 and 1990, which was six years before his murder. So even if she wasn't in charge of the murder, it sounds like... Even if she, like, didn't do this, it sounds like she was... These wheels have been turning six years ago. No one thinks she didn't do it at this point. Nobody thinks that. Nobody thinks that, um... There was a part of me that was like, huh, because she still maintains her innocence, by the way. Spoiler alert. Well, wouldn't that be a really crazy twist? But also, she did it. (laughs) But also, she did it. In her trial, there were 170 witnesses. That's a lot of fucking witnesses. The trial goes on for 42 days. Catherine denies all of it. And when she testifies, she, like, does the thing. I'm going to call it the Erica Jane thing where, like, she'll cry and she'll, like, start whispering. And, like, when things get, like, a little, she'll, like, cry. Get really low and, like, not really look at you. Like, really? And the prosecutor's like, can we just agree? She's not even crying. She's just whispering. Like, what the fuck is actually happening? Tom's first wife testifies on his behalf, which I think is so sweet. She called him a gentle giant and that he just had a dream to own his own pub. Like, this is his ex-wife coming to his defense in his murder right. trial. That's why don't Everybody fuck with him. your exes. <laughs> they could testify in your honor at a trial. So keep that in mind. So after 42 days of trial evidence, the jury starts deliberation. The jury deliberates for five days. What? Fuck. Five days. I don't understand that. Well, I'm presenting like a pretty biased sort of version. Even when I was reading it, I mean, the the murder for hire people, but I'm like, what if, what if it was... Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> and they all... No. Um, so here's what's interesting. They found her unanimously. The jury found her guilty of murder. And then from an 11 to 1 decision, they found her guilty on the other counts of solicitation of murder, which mm-hmm. I thought was interesting, that they all found her guilty of murder, but one holdout for murder for hire, which was like, shouldn't, isn't the whole situation it that sounds like, like that person just didn't understand. <laughs> they're like, I don't get it. Because it feels like in order to be guilty of the murder, you. you have to be guilty of the solicitation of murder. And at one point too, and I think this is interesting, at one point too, she was like, I smelled this residue, and it reminds me of the gunshot residue from when my husband was shot. And they're like, um, ma'am, you wouldn't have been able to smell the gunshot residue based on your story. So Mm -hmm. she was, like, making up sort of sob stories. Anyway, the judge at the trial said you had your husband assassinated, and you tried to assassinate his character as well. I hope his family will take some consolation from this verdict. Which I thought was a really nice, succinct way of putting it. Like, she killed him. And then she tried to say all these fucking lies about him in order Uh to get off, which is dark. Yep. Dark, dark, dark. She got life in prison. She served it in Dublin. She tried to appeal in both 2003, 2010. Denied. In 2016, she was diagnosed with a brain tumor and was given just months to live. I guess she tried, they tried to like, give her compassionate leave earlier, but she had no place to go. And finally, in the late 2017, she was given compassionate leave um, to die at home. And she was released after serving 17 years, and five months later, she died from a brain tumor, the Black Widow. Little known fact, the pub, Jack White's Inn, is still open. 
we still do not know who pulled the trigger and shot him. Oh, interesting. There is a suspect, this guy um, who's from Dublin, Eugene Dutchy Holland. I assume Dutchy, his nickname, is based on the fact that his last name is Holland. So Dutchy. Um, oh, oh, and that's that is cute. deduction for me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I guess he's suspected of being the gunman um, who killed Tom, but he died nine years ago. Um, and he was also suspected of another murder of a journalist four months later. So Tom, when he died, he had no will. So all of his assets, including the pub, which was jointly owned by his wife, she ended up selling the pub for a shit ton of money and the two Dublin properties. And she got an insurance policy and cash. She just got a bunch of money, but the family was fighting against her from having any claim to his inheritance or anything. So now all of, because of her death, all of the money, because next of kin is his family. So now all the money is in his family's name, but she still had claim. Like right. she killed him and she still because she's a part owner. Aye. Which is so gross, right? Yeah. Feels like if you murder some, yeah, if you murder, you shouldn't get the things you want when you do the murder. She was in jail; she couldn't spend it. Yeah, and she died. So it's a not a happy ending for her, which is for the best. Yeah. What's crazy though, in the press, they would call her. Did I tell? Did I say that the judge was like? Did I tell you this that the press was so bad that the judge told the press that they couldn't write on anything about her? Uh -uh. They couldn't. Oh shoot! I missed that. That was a big deal. Sorry, thought I did, but I got distracted by my own story. Early on in the press proceedings, when they kept, when the press was going crazy and they were calling her Black Widow, mm-hmm. it was so insane where they were dissecting her clothes, her appearance, and everything, and even lying about her appearance. Like, I saw her walk into the, like, there's pictures of her walking into the trial and she's like wearing like a shoulder padded 90s outfit. And, and they're, they're like, like, she walked in in black lace. Yes, and they're like, and then her <laughs> slip, like her, like a slit up to her thigh. And it's like, she would look like a school alarm. Like, she doesn't look like a <laughs> seductress. And the jury, the judge was like, this is a lot. And he banned the press from talking about her appearance or her disposition in trial. He banned yeah, the press from doing that. I think that. that's fair. I, I mean, I also think um, the things that make us think she's guilty are... The correct things. Um, of which are, all the people being like, she uh, asked me. She asked me too. She asked me too. Yeah, we don't need her to wear a sexy, weird outfit. <laughs> and like, totally. we also don't need that moniker of Black, Black Widow. Widow. I mean, it's not. Again, it's a one-time thing. You can call her husband killer. Fine with that. She's, She's a daddy monster. long legs, if anything. She's a daddy long legs. You know, I guess that they have like the most insane poison daddy long legs there you go but it's so t- small that it won't affect humans okay god i killed a cockroach today and i hated it how do you kill a cockroach i don't call mad mm-hmm. and he doesn't kill them either they come back then listen he doesn't kill them matt doesn't kill things he only ca- he's a catch and release man how do you feel about that not great, but I also prefer someone else to just do my dirty work for me. And if the dirty work's going to be somewhat clean in the end, that's their business. He kill. He wouldn't kill a mouse. No, catch and release. They say that he the goes mouse... on a run. I'm not kidding. With the light he mouse, he biked away with a mouse and run away with a mouse. But because they do come back, and in order to avoid um, a repeat appearance, he will. He'll really look for a new home for the mouse. He'll like find a that is a really nice church beautiful. garden and like make a cartoon scenario out of it. Hand the mouse a very small hat and picnic basket and be like, "I wish you luck, sir," <laughs> and send him into like a very picturesque place. That is really charming. It's Matt. <laughs> I killed the cockroach today, and I hate I hate killing yeah, cockroaches. So I gross. hate it. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want? to hear a story your turn your turn your turn my story is about and now say it and now a word from me what is that the sponsors oh and now a word from our spot i get to say it yeah because we're gonna alternate okay yeah and now a word from our sponsors is that good (laughs) that is so good okay hey carrie hey quinn you know what's wild what's wild 
an art gallery named Wild. Ugh. It's an amazing art gallery, specifically featuring original artwork from Native Americans. Yeah, it's in Austin, Texas. And I don't know, I think art's a really cool gift with the holidays upon us. Buy something unique, buy something personal, buy something to support an important population in our country, which is Native Americans. I was on their website. It's www.wild, spelled W-Y-L-D, dot gallery. And I was checking out the art and there's some pretty rad stuff. It's really cool. There's a lot of different artwork on here. It fits all different budgets and we want you to check it out. In if you are in Austin specifically or nearby Texas, I know we have listeners in Texas, you can make an appointment to go to the actual gallery and physically see some of this artwork. And you for know, those of you not in Austin, hop on that website. Once again, it's www.wild.gallery. Get on there and take a look. It's really beautiful. It's special and Let's support art. Come on. Come on. Who said humor had to be clean? Or buttoned up. (laughs) Or buttoned up for that matter. There's this amazing website called Smartass and Sass, and it's a subscription box made for people like you and me. I'm looking at this amazing necklace that's a cleaver that says, I'll cut you. I like the don't fuck up the table coasters. I think those would make really good gifts. I actually want that for my mom. Oh, yeah. I love that. For a big box, you can also subscribe and get... A fun t-shirt and a bunch of snarky items for just $50. Um, I'm sorry, Quinn, $49.95. Oh, you're so right. Each of those boxes is going to have the shirt, seven to nine unique items. That's basically $90 for, as Carrie said, $49.95. Thanks, Carrie. Go to www.smartassandsass.com and use code DARK for 10% off your first subscription. Because this is like the perfect gift when you're like, all right, I got the big gift, but I'd like to give them something that'll make them laugh and smile that'll surprise them. Go to Smartass and Sass, use the code DARK for 10% off. It's going to be a blast. My story is about the disappearance of Brian Schaefer. I got my information from Wikipedia, all that's interesting, Ranker and Columbus Navigator. Columbus Navigator? Of course. I love that source. Let's start with the parents. Actually, I don't love that source. Columbus, go fuck yourself. I'm so sorry. Whoa, that was a real pivot. Well, Columbus, Christopher Columbus is a real asshole. I mean, <laughs> just feel like I... He didn't write it. He didn't write it. Okay. Um, that was a pivot, though, but I didn't know. Randy and Renee Schaefer have three sons, and I'm about to tell you a story about their oldest son, Brian. So they all grew up in a... Pickerington, Ohio, and Brian goes to Ohio State University, getting a degree in microbiology. So very sad. In March of 2006, Renee, the mom, dies of cancer. And he was, I mean, everyone was close to her, but Brian was really close to his mom. He's really, really sad about it. One thing not so sad that's actually good going on in his life is that he has a med student girlfriend, Alexis Wagoner, and they're super into each other. It's going great enough so that people in their life are speculating that they have like an upcoming spring break trip together to Miami. Well, they won't they get engaged? Yeah, that's the big yeah. goss. On March 31st, this is like a few days before they're meant to go on the trip. On March 31st, which is a Friday, classes at OSU are over. It's spring break. Oh, let's party party yeah it's really nice because brian's dad is like i'm gonna take you out tonight to celebrate spring break let's go get some steaks love oh, that so when your they, parents came to school that was the oh my best. god the best and you got to actually eat good food oh god i remember going out for like great meals with my mom and dad at yeah. iu it was and my dad suddenly would come by and say oh it was so fun so good oh when you're in college and your parents come take you out to dinner it is it's so special it really is um so they go out and randy the dad's like like, oh, my son seems really tired. And of course he's tired. He's been like pulling all-nighters to get through that last push push and whatever papers are due. Um, So he's a little bummed because Brian's like, oh, my plans are to go out with Clint tonight and like celebrate the semester's over and like bar hop. And I think the dad's like, oh, I wish you would get rest. But he doesn't like really say that. He's like, I was in college. I remember. Totally. Um, so he's going out that night with, like I said, his friend Clint, whose real name is actually William Florence, but I think he goes by Clint. Um, at nine after dinner, 
they meet up and they start their night out at the Ugly Tuna Saluna. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an incredible name. It's a great name. God, I, I mean, I think in retirement, don't mark my words, but I think I'd like to move to a college town. And like, cause I Just think, so you can go to bars like that? No, but like, think about it. Like, if you lived in a college town, you're surrounded by like youth and energy and there's a lot of activity and action there. Like, cause it's not like you're in a big city, but like, you're like, there's fun things to do and like cute bars and like people are living their best life and it's pretty safe. But then aren't the bars all kind of like frat vibes? Like some of them, but some are like a little undercover, not, you know, it's I like don't know. why I don't like to go to Manhattan anymore. I like to drink in Brooklyn because when I go to Manhattan, I feel 200 years old. And I also feel very badly dressed. <laughs> totally. When I go to Brooklyn, I'm like, people are digging this jumpsuit and this lipstick. <laughs> this is my and I feel people. Like, this is my vibe. Yeah. Like, I feel like I look cooler here. Yeah. And it's also more age appropriate. You're not wrong. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. So when they're out, Brian calls Alexis and is like, hey, I'm so excited for our trip. I love you. Um, I'm running around bar hopping. You are visiting your parents in Toledo, but I will see you Monday. Love you. Bye. They continue to bar hop and they go to the arena district. Sounds fun. And I guess Clint says that what they would do is they'd go to a bunch of bar. They'd go to a bar and they'd have a shot and then go to another bar. That also sounds exhausting, but. If they're next fun. to each other, though, it's fun. Then it's fun. Oh, I yeah. can't wait to go back to Indiana University just to enjoy. So after midnight, um, they meet up with Meredith Reed, who's a friend of Clint's, at the Short North. And they had a drink, and then Meredith's like, you know where I want to go? The Ugly Tuna Saluna. And they're like, we were just there. We were there at the beginning. She's like, let's do full circle because I want to go there and get a drink. So they go back to Ugly Tuna to get their final drink of the night. It's some full circle shit. Right. While they're there, uh, Clint and Meredith sort of lose track of Brian at one point. Right. And then the bar's closing. It's like two. So they, there's an escalator to leave. Whoa. I know. And who the fuck would ever picture that when you say a bar? But I think it's because we're from New York. Like, I think this bar is in... Like some a, sort of like a little strip mall district something kind of thing like that okay. there is an escalator anyway they go down the escalator they go outside they're waiting they're like where is he they like call him he doesn't answer oh, and no. they kind of just stand there with everybody and wait for brian to appear and he never does the bar no. empties the bar closes no. and they're like i guess he irish goodbye to us which is not really his style but okay the next day, his girlfriend, Alexis, her dad calls him. He doesn't pick up. His dad calls him. He doesn't pick up. And everybody's like, what's going on? When they go check out his house, nothing's weird. Like, his car's there. His stuff's all there. Nothing looks amiss. Like, his stuff that he... But, like, his wallet and stuff like that he brought to the bar was there? No. Okay. So, like, no phone, no wallet. But I'm just saying, like, it doesn't indicate that he went home and then something happened. Right, 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 right. Um, But he is supposed to go to Miami on Monday and doesn't. Obviously, I don't think Alexis does either, but (laughs) they report him missing at that point. And the police are like, well, I guess we'll start at fucking Ugly Tuna. And so they want to look at all the footage that they can find. Um, There's some security cameras there. And they can see all of them going into the bar at 115, like going up the escalator. Okay. But that's the last point you'll ever see (gasps) Brian on any of the footage. Well, that's not totally true. At like 155, really close to when the bar closes, 155 a.m., you see Brian talking to two young women outside the bar and then saying goodbye. And then he moves off camera in the direction of the bar's doors as though to go back into the bar. And that is the last time you ever see him on camera. So no. they get so suspicious because of this camera thing where they're like, we really cannot figure this out. So they're like, maybe he went, they got in a costume to leave. 
Like literally they're like, maybe he put on a weird hat and he's looking down and he's hiding deliberately from the cameras. Maybe he went out the back. There is this back door situation, but it goes straight onto like a construction site where it would be really hard to walk through. But then imagine you've been doing shots all night. Totally. Like, no, no. He didn't like America's next ninja warrior out of there or whatever. No. So, but it just, I'm telling you this to tell you how desperately they're trying to figure this out. Um, They even go to other bars in the neighborhood and are like, can we see your security footage? Can we see yours? Can we see yours? Like, they're just trying to find him. Maybe he went to another bar. They start looking for a body. I mean, they're bringing dogs around. They're going to alleyways, dumpsters, uh, they're running around canvassing people and being like, did you see this guy? They're posting flyers. He has a tattoo. So that's like one of the things they're telling people about. Um, His tattoo is of a stick figure logo. That's from, um, you know, Pearl jams alive like that album. Sure. Yes, you do. I'm still alive. I mean, I know your relationship with Pearl Jam, so I, I don't want to. Eddie better. I know you he said you met him. Cool. He made you feel cool, and we love that about him. <sighs> Keep going. He had the. I'm so enthralled. So he had this tattoo. <laughs> he was really into Pearl Jam, and in fact, like one of his dreams was to start a band. But they he didn't play an instrument, but, but he really wanted to start. A band. <laughs> The speculation, because it's so close upon his mom's passing, people start to be like, maybe he was like super grieving her and wanted to be alone. What a fucking weird stretch, though, to be like, he's out with his friends, doesn't. And then shit faced. And then is like, I'm just going to go into hiding. It's just. It definitely seems like he would tell Alexis, and I think she definitely feels that way, too. Yeah. Um, like, a lot of people are like, he's alive, and I think she does not think that, because it's impossible for her to believe that he would have done that to her, right? Um, so they start giving everybody the old polygraph, the old baby, baby shower, shower game. And Brian's dad and Meredith are like, sure, fine, great. Um, Clint is like, no, I won't take it. And that turns. Well, that's the whole point of a heads. guys. That's the point of a polygraph test. That's actually What's the, the point? point is to intimidate people into saying, "Will you test? Will you tell Will us you the take truth?" It and then using whether or not they'll take it because yeah. I don't think it proves anything. I think it proves um, if you're like lying egregiously, which is like when we had that case a while back where he did the polygraph. But like, I just it's, don't it's, believe it's used in it. as an interrogation tactic. Yeah. Like, like if I was innocent, I'd be like, give me the polygraph. And so people, uh, it's like the same thing of being like, all right, we have this. Can you give us your DNA? And everybody being like, yeah. And then the one person be like, no, that's where you got to like scratch your head a little and be like. Well, Clint's lawyer was like, if Brian's alive, which he says he's been led to believe after speaking with the detectives then he says, well, so it's Brian everybody needs to, like, be mad at. Not Clint. Clint's not making everybody's life hard and, like, causing people pain. It's Brian. And you're like, what did the detective say to you that made you fucking think that? But he keeps being like, Brian needs to come forward and end this. Clint's not trying to hide anything. What a wackadoo thing. Because, you know, Clint takes all this shit. For not doing the polygraph. For not doing the polygraph. I mean, I don't know. Would you do a polygraph? If somebody of course was like, I would. I would do one at a baby shower. I've told you that. I know, but would you do one in a murder investigation like that? Where you're like, I know they're not... Like, I understand why someone would be like hesitant missing. and why it's a thing of... But it, you know what it is? It's not that everyone went, oh, Clint killed Brian. I don't it's think anybody thought something. that. I think that's what it was. It was, what yeah. is he trying to hide? Right. Um, meanwhile, you have Alexis in mourning is calling Brian every night since he's been gone to hear his, his voice, voicemail yeah. and she calls one night like six months after the fact and the phone rings like three times and everyone's like what and she panic attacks is like the phone's ringing they talk to the police about it they trace the call and like figure out that it pinged a tower that's in uh, a columbus suburb and Everyone's like, oh my God, maybe he's alive, maybe he's alive, maybe he's alive. 
But then they're like, we think this was a technical glitch. And his phone never rings again. Ready for this? If, if you didn't already love Eddie Vedder like I do, get ready. You about to love him. He's doing a concert in Cincinnati and he stops between the songs and just like is like, hey, if anyone has any tips into this guy, Brian Schaefer's disappearance, like, and then years later in 2010, he's playing in Columbus and he dedicates the song Come Back to Brian. Oh, yeah. So I just can't help but think about Randy in this situation where he lost his wife they still haven't found Brian. And then they he lost his son. He's in a bad place. He goes to a psychic, and the psychic is like, Brian is dead, and I sense that his body is in some water near a bridge. So Randy and his... Oh, so one of his One of Brian's brothers, Derek, they go buy a bunch of equipment and start, in their free time, like exploring rivers and looking for this body. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. The police for a little while are considering like that this might be the work of the smiley face killer. Do you know about that? Mm -mm. You know what? I think maybe I'll just do it. The smiley face killer because it's kind of a crazy thing. I do think they end up rejecting that. But you'll see why when I present it, that would have been a direction they looked. That's basically a supposed serial killer. Um, But... Brian wouldn't really fit in the sense that the bodies are found. Yeah. He's missing. Um, So the FBI eventually are like, nah. Um, Then in 2008, there's a heavy windstorm. And Randy's out in the yard. And he's like trying to clean up all the shit that blew around. And a branch falls on him and kills him. This family is cursed. Imagine being, now imagine being one of the fucking sons. Where you're like, my mom died of cancer. Then my brother vanished. Then my dad, a branch fell on him. Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, that's so heartbreaking. So they run an an obituary online. And there's like a virtual, I don't know what you'd call it. Guest book? Yes. And somebody writes in it, to dad, love Brian, U.S. Virgin Islands totally a hoax but like that's so mean that is so mean yeah fuck you whoever did that that is so that's not a fun prank that's so mean also like your prankster yourself prank someone else what the fuck are you doing this family's had enough this family my god (sighs) so we're left not knowing anything which is why i think people lean on that clint thing because he's the only possible piece of information Honestly, it reminds me of our very first episode when i did lauren spears case mm-hmm. it is exactly that exact like that like she disappeared and there's all these people who are being a little cagey and not being totally forthcoming and it's like you don't know where to she look. just vanished well, so the brother just vanished. derek is like um as soon as a detective got involved, Clint stopped having contact with anybody. And he says that I always thought he knows something and just won't come forward with it. And if Brian did take off, maybe Clint knows. Alexis also thinks that Clint knows something, but she doesn't think that it's that Brian's hiding. She does think, like I said, that Brian is no longer with us. Um, in 2014, the cops are still getting a few tips a month. Um, via Crime Stoppers. And then in 2019, everyone has this total false alarm panic vibe because there's a picture of a homeless man in Tijuana that looks like a dead ringer. And everyone's like, it's Brian, it's Brian, it's Brian. It's Spoiler alert, it's not Brian. Um, they determined it wasn't him by facial analysis. But speaking of facial analysis, they do distribute this sort of digital fast-forward mock-up of what Brian would look like today. Brian Schaefer is extremely handsome. And this digital mock-up looks like they... It's just, like, weird because they took this really handsome guy and I'm like, this is your age progression of him? This is really weird if this is what he started to look like. Like, I'm not seeing it. But if any of you are, please look it up. There's a $100,000 reward from the Ohio Crime Stoppers. And to this day, no one knows what happened to Brian Schaefer. He just fucking vanished. He vanished. It's weird because you picture 
the women saying goodbye to him and then he's walking toward the bar. It just feels like someone else is on the street if something were to happen. It's not like, and suddenly he ended up in a weird alley alone and something, and there's room for something to happen. It's just... Like he vanished. It feels like he vanished. That's really scary, Quinn. I'm so sad for his siblings. His poor siblings lost both parents, their brothers missing Jesus. Has he been declared dead yet, do you know? No, I don't think so. Thank you for sharing that story. If anybody has any information on Brian Schaefer, call Crime Stoppers. Um, Also, I forgot who told me to do this case, but I know that somebody recommended it to me. So thank you. So thank you. We both did cases today that we don't know who did, but we just want to thank you. We just want to blanket thank you. Blank you. Blank you. (laughs) And I will try to blank you. Um, (laughs) Wow. Guys, what can we say except um, join Patreon, buy t-shirts, help. Leave a nice review. Leave a nice review. Sure. You know what? Actually, just skip it all. Tell a friend to listen. Oh, just yeah, tell a yeah, friend yeah, to yeah. listen. I'm into that. That's easy, right? Yeah, I'm into it. Bye, dear readers. Love you so much. Love you so fucking much. Bye.